Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice. Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace. Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Thank you all so much for joining us today. We have a lot to get to. The president is on his way to Florida for some campaign events. He did talk briefly to reporters about the attack over the weekend in Jordan about the troops who were, I don't call them military folks like Corrine Jean-Pierre, I'm going to call them the U.S. troops, who were killed on Saturday. And as always, the American people, after hearing his answers, are left with more questions. That's kind of a theme with Joe Biden. And we discussed this story a lot yesterday, this tragedy. And what occurred was on Saturday, three army reservists were killed by Iran. Uh, You know, people are saying proxies, militia-backed proxies. We all know what's actually happening here. Um, At an outpost in Jordan, right near the Syrian border. And the three members we now know of the military were all from Georgia. Sergeant William Rivers, 46. Specialist Brianna Moffitt, 23. And Specialist Kennedy Sanders, 24. For some reason, and I don't know if they think that Biden does well with these serious issues, like that, that I think is is kind of a misconception is that because Joe Biden and he has he has endured um, a lot of tragedies in his life. And I'm not downplaying that, but I think that there is this misconception that because he's endured tragedy, he knows how to handle these things properly or with respect, and the truth is he doesn't. And I I don't know if that's because of old age. I don't know if that's just because of his general way. But if there was ever a time to keep him in the basement, it would be now. And, And for some reason, I can't figure it out, this is the time where his handlers, like, take the leash off and let this guy riff with the reporters. And all he's doing in these off the cuff moments with journalists is if you can even call them that all he's doing is reiterating again and again to Iran that we don't want a war we don't want to create a wider war and to create more conflict now Kirby his right-hand man is echoing that sentiment it's like they have a closed-door meeting after all these articles come out, and they've been coming out for months, from all different military experts, you, you look at John, you can have John Bolton, you can have any military expert you want. And, and there's a lot of them that I'm not crazy about, but they're all kind of on the same page on this, which is the Biden strategy of appeasement is not working, was not working, and this was bound to happen. And the only thing Iran is going to respond to is some sort of show of strength. We saw that with Trump with Soleimani. You show a strength to a degree, and they back off. And instead, since October 7th, there have been, I think, like 150, maybe 160 
strikes on U.S. military, attempts to hurt U.S. military. And so the rationale was he needs to do something. He needs to retaliate. And instead, Kirby and Biden are going around hammering home the point that we don't want any trouble. It's like they had a closed door meeting after Biden's 11 a.m. wake up call. After Biden ate his scrambled eggs and got his PDB, they put all their heads together and they sat around and they said, "Okay, so the strategy of appeasing Iran and giving them billions of dollars for their, you know, their terrorist passions, that's not working. Let's go out and give the Islamic Republic a clear message that we are committed for the long haul, that we are committed to getting slapped around for a lot longer. And not retaliating in any real way. Let's make sure we map out that message for them on the big screen. So there's no question that we're willing to take a a couple more punches from Iran. Now, there, there are rumors, and I read this today in the New York Post, that the president may not attend the dignified transfer of these three soldiers. And Kirby was asked about it, and he said he doesn't have anything on the president's president's schedule to speak to keep in mind this is a man joe biden Uh, i see joe concha retweets his schedule quite a bit he like screenshots it and puts it up he's got a lot of open space he's got a lot of availability there's some big gaps in his schedule between like when he wakes up and whatever big event he's like a one big event type of guy a day one bit maybe if you're lucky and then you know his weeks are really from monday to wednesday and then like thursday friday saturday sunday he's on you know he's on weekend time weekend at biden's but the man has plenty of spare time that he could work something in to his schedule but he might not attend the dignified transfer and honestly the way he handled himself at the dignified transfer of the 13 U.S. service members who were killed in Afghanistan, again, due to his incompetence, due to his administration's botched Afghanistan withdrawal, um, the way he handled himself in that case, checking his watch. Do you guys remember that? He was checking his watch. He kept looking down at it. And then he finally spoke to the families and he made it totally about himself. He just talked about his own son, Bo, and how he lost his son And it all became about Joe Biden. And the families spoke to the press about how horrible they felt afterwards, like how there was no comfort there from from meeting with the president and how, if anything, they were angry. One of the fathers was furious. I I don't know how you couldn't be. And, And this is kind of the part of it for me that's it's almost too hard to watch because think about it like this. These families not only lose their loved ones. We're talking young people here, 46, 23, 24, people with so much life ahead of them, so much ahead of them. But it's the disrespect that follows that tremendous loss that for me is, I like wince watching it. You have Corrine Jean-Pierre, and this, this happened right after our show ended yesterday. I was able to talk about it on Howie's show. But when I heard the sound, I thought, whew, that would have been something to play because she is 
and I just referenced Joe Concha, he actually put this out too. He said, she's the only press secretary who gets worse the longer she goes. She just keeps getting worse at her job. She goes out there yesterday on Morning Joe and she references these three military members and she calls them military folks who died. And she she actually says they were fighting on behalf of the administration, which managed to ruffle a lot of feathers out there for good reason. But it's just it's sickening how unserious these people are who are calling these shots. They're overseeing so much. So many different catastrophes all at once. They're overseeing an invasion on our southern border, wars breaking out. Or, you know what, I, I should I should put a little bit more passion into this, like Joy Reid. Another bleeping war breaking out, in case you didn't see that hot mic moment. They're overseeing utter catastrophes. And they can't form a coherent sentence or even show a modicum of respect after three members of the U.S. military are killed, in part, like I said, in large part because of their incompetence and the dysfunction of this administration. And you can say what you want about the Obama administration, and Lord knows I do, but as as much as they oversaw chaos, they were always able to spin it pretty well, and they were always able to come out and, you know, they could talk a good game. Like, they were good at the spin. This administration, they come out and it's like, does anybody go over anything? Like, you have no idea what you're going to say when you go on Morning Joe. We should play. We got to play this Kareem jump here because as bad as Biden is, at least he's got the old age card. I don't know what Corrine Jean-Pierre's excuse is. Can I have Corrine Jean-Pierre, um, Emma, talking about... Oh, we don't have that? It's from yesterday. There was a cut of her. We'll, we'll grab it. We'll play it on the other side. 844-500-4242. Also today in the news, the DOJ is probing Cori Bush. She's a member of the squad. She's the person who wants to defund the police, but thinks that she should have her own security because her body deserves to be on this earth. Um, And we will get to that story. Also, local story, big story from Massachusetts. I don't know if people have been following this, but it came out yesterday that there are discussions and it's, it's pretty likely that illegal aliens are going to be setting up shop at Melnia Cass Recreation Center in Roxbury. So we will talk about that because Mayor Wu's acting like, you know, I tried, but. It's out of my hands. It's, you know, Governor Moore Healy. And you know what Governor Moore Healy's going to say? She's going to say, well, it's the it's the federal government. And there's nothing we can do. And then it gets to Joe Biden and he goes, Republicans, you just got to give me the money. This is how nobody wants to accept the responsibility for their humane, decent, compassionate, open border policies. They just want to kick the can down the road. Actually, if you can believe this, we're talking about illegal aliens being put at the recreation center in Roxbury. And Mayor Wu goes on Boston Public Radio or wherever she went on, WBUR, and she somehow works in Donald Trump. She somehow blames Donald Trump for kicking out the young kids who use that recreation center, you know, for their own activities, sports, things like that. 
she somehow is blaming Donald Trump for the fact that she's moving illegal aliens into that recreation center. It's it's a stretch. It's definitely a stretch. Can I play that KJP since we have it right now, Emma? Uh, this is Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday talking to Morning Joe. What I will say, our deepest, uh, obviously our deepest condolences uh, go out and our heartfelt condolences go out to the families uh, who lost uh, three, three brave uh, three brave, uh, three brave of uh, three folks who are, who are military folks who are brave, who are always fighting, who are fighting on behalf and of uh, this administration of the American people. Obviously, more so, more importantly, uh, we lost those souls. Now, I've I've bungled a few things. I've gotten tongue-tied before. You've all witnessed that. But good God, what? is happening is it that hard is it that hard it's not like she's explaining a theory like a scientific theory you're coming out and you're saying we lost three military members in this in this horrible attack and we feel so horrible for their families and we thank them for their service where is the confusion here like why is that so hard for her to say And it's the fact that she's been doing this for so long and she says there's no plans for her to go anywhere. Like she's she's there. She's staying. The incompetence is mind blowing. 844-500-4242. We'll take your calls on this. A lot of people want to talk. We've got a lot of sound to get to today. And also Antony Blinken. Antony Blinken being honest about uh, what a serious and scary situation we now have in the Middle East. Thanks to the best and the brightest being in charge. Aren't you so glad that normalcy is restored? That America's back? I think that what they really meant was America's back in all these bleeping wars. I think that's the actual version we should be running with. We'll take your calls when we come back. A lot of stories today. Don't go anywhere. Follow Grace on Twitter at G underscore Curly. This is the Grace Curley Show. The thing I wonder about the most with the Biden administration, specifically Corrine Jean-Pierre, Joe Biden's press secretary, is, and I'm not comparing our jobs because they're very different, but as someone who talks for a, a good amount of the day, Um, And for three hours, pretty much nonstop, I oftentimes will leave here and I'll go in the green room. I'll talk to Emma. I'll talk to Taylor and I'll I'll be very critical of the show or I'll say like, oh, I messed that up or I didn't say that right. Or was I rambling? That's something I say a lot. Was I rambling? Sometimes the answer is yes. And I just wonder if when she gives an answer like the one we just played where she's calling service members military folks and she's saying that they're serving on behalf of the administration and forget all of that the the actual part of it is just the word salad of how long it takes to get out that very basic sentence does she go behind the scenes afterwards when they wrap it up at morning joe the cameras go away they say thanks kareen talk to you tomorrow does she go back into the white house and put her head in her hands a la joe biden at the podium and go oh my god what did i just say what do you think Emma? do you think she does does she have that self-reflection of that was embarrassing 
See, I think, I think what theory she is told not to use certain words like patriot, soldier, stuff like that. Oh, really? She had to come up with some word to talk about these people without making them sound brave. Oh, so in an attempt to find euphemisms for more basic words that everybody knows, that's how she ends up, you know, in this tangled web. And in that sense, she did a good job. I guess. Are they that diabolical that you can't use words like patriot? See, Emma, you're always, you're like Jared like that. You're always thinking next level. You're playing four-dimensional chess. I'm sitting here playing checkers. 844-500-4242. Let's go to, people want to talk about this, um, and we'll be talking about it for the whole show. We're also going to talk about the border. There's just a lot going on today. Let's go to John. You're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, John. Hi, how you doing? Um, yeah, when the Biden or the White House is saying, no, they, they don't want war, they, they want to be careful with it, and people like Lindsey Graham are saying, bomb the heck out of them. I mean, look out. That, that's, we're going to be going to war with, with Iran. And to Iran, they, they want a war, too. Their, their population is increasingly secular. The, the mullahs are losing control. They, they need a great Satan. Um, they, they need some sort of war as well. And what, what I fear is going to happen is, with our open borders, uh, we're going to end up with a lot of terrorist activity right here in the U.S., and it, it could be, I mean, it's an election year. It, it could be the opening for a lot of false flag events or who well, knows? I, well, here's what I, I'm not, I don't want to get into the false flag events, but I will say that you have had warnings from Catherine Herridge and other people that because of all of the national security risks going on at once, that there is a risk of some sort of black swan, you know, national um, security event, um, tragedy, catastrophe, however you want to put it. As far as the warmongering goes, and John, I'm glad you brought this up because it's a weird thing where I also, when I hear Nikki Haley, when I hear Lindsey Graham, like they almost get, they they can't wait to start talking about how we need to get into another war. And I'm hesitant about that as well. But the, the part of this where I come in just as far as criticizing goes, because let's face it, that's kind of what I do here. It's that, ironically enough, by not wanting to, by not wanting to be aggressive towards Iran, now Joe Biden's in a position where he has to be way more aggressive than he would have had to been had he just retaliated appropriately for the last 150 attacks since October 7th. Do you guys get what I'm saying? It's like, if he had just responded proportionately at the time, we could have avoided this. Now we've got three dead Americans and we're in a we're in a bind. We'll be right back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. We just had a caller who brought up a a solid point about his fear of now the warmongers like Nikki Haley and Lindsey Graham. And I don't have to go through the list. You all know them. You're familiar with them. They're all coming out. They're getting on TV and they're talking about how we need to go to war. And I was thinking about this during the break because it's almost like this false dichotomy of, okay, you either are on 
So you look at the spectrum of it, right? You either have Lindsey Graham and Nikki Haley on one side being like, we need World War Three, let's go. Or on the other side, you have Joe Biden and John Kirby going around telling everyone, we really don't want a war. We really don't want a war. We don't want to do anything. We don't want to do anything. We're going to sit on our hands. Nothing's going to happen. We're just going to keep taking it and keep getting slapped around. And, and don't worry. You know, we're not going to escalate things. We don't want escalation. And they're, and they're telling everybody this. They're just out there telling Iran this to their faces. So they have no worry in the world. There's no doubt. There's no fear being instilled. And so my problem is, That can't be our two choices. There has to be some sort of happy medium. And maybe happy medium is not the best way to describe it. But a really good reference point, if people want to look at history, and you don't have to go that far back, is Donald Trump. You use deterrence. You use force when necessary. You instill some doubt and some fear as to why Iran wouldn't want to mess with us like they're currently doing right now. And... Another aspect of this deterrence is pretty simple. You don't have to be a military expert to understand it. You shut off the spigot of money flowing to Iran. So like are those my two options? I either have to I either have to get on board with going to war with Iran or I have to be on board with the strategy of sending them billions of dollars and doing absolutely nothing. Surely surely there's a better way here. 844-500-4242. Let's go to Tom. You're next up on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Tom. Good, Grace. How are you? Good. Uh, I read that we have approximately somewhere around 1,000 folks. Some of us call them troops in Jordan. Did you read that, 1,000? I, I didn't read that, Tom, but it sounds like it could be possible. Okay. There's about 2.1 million Palestinians in Jordan out of a population of about 11 million. In 1970, the Palestinians and the Jordanians fought a war. Okay, it was Yasser Arafat against King Hussein. The Jordanians did not want to fight their brown brothers, but the Palestinians forced the issue, and Jordan made short work of them, okay? What I'm, going, what I'm getting at is, they're not done with us. You know, I mean, God help us. God help us. And, well, I, I want to bring up, um, we're going to get to Palestinians in just a second here because there's another story involving John Kirby and this. But just to go back to the position we're now in, thanks to the Biden administration and how they've handled it thus far, is really precarious and it's it's really scary. And Antony Blinken said as much. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind that it was just a couple months ago. It was I think it was two weeks before October 7th. In September, Jake Sullivan was bragging about how peaceful the Middle East was and how, you know, calm everything was there thanks to the Biden administration. How things have changed, huh? You fast forward a couple weeks and we're on the brink of, as Joy Reid pointed out, another bleeping war. Let's play Annie Blinken and then I'll play Joy Reid. This is uh, Blinken cut 26, please. From the outset, we've been very clear in warning that anyone looking to take advantage of conflict in the Middle East uh, and try to expand it, don't do it. We've taken steps to defend ourselves and to defend our partners, as well as to prevent escalation. And the President's been crystal clear. We will respond decisively to any aggression. And we will hold responsible the people who attacked our troops, 
will do so at a time and a place of our choosing. You can just hear the fecklessness. It's palpable. And they're really tempted, which is the crazy part. They're tempted to keep going with the don't, 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 don't strategy. Like, you, you know he wants to say that. The president has made it crystal clear. Don't, don't, don't. And Jackie Heinrich yesterday was asking John Kirby about this. And they were having this back and forth. And it was really interesting because she was basically saying, does he regret this rhetorical, you know, um, the, these, this fear-mongering of don't, don't, don't when it didn't do anything, when it clearly didn't scare them enough. You know, his tough talk isn't working. Let's have cut four. It's clear, obviously, that don't didn't work. Does the president have any regret over not pushing, punching back harder in any of the prior responses that he's taken to these proxy attacks on U.S. forces? I would, but, uh, I think I would push back on the idea that we didn't push back harder, uh, that we have taken significant action against uh, Iran economically. We have certainly taken some ad additional and uh, more aggressive steps to go after these groups. Um, we're certainly taking aggressive action uh, against the Houthis to try to d defend shipping in, in the Red Sea. I mean, this idea that somehow we've just, you know, whistled past the graveyard here and, and, and walked away from the challenge that Iran poses just isn't borne out by the facts. Yeah, we only gave them $6 billion for the hostages. We could have given them $8 billion, but we really, well, we pushed back and we showed our force by saying, hey, buddy, don't. You're only getting $6 billion. Don't get ahead of yourself. You're not getting $7 billion or $8 billion. That's how we flexed our muscle. And John Kirby takes offense. You know, he's pushing back against this idea that he didn't push back hard enough. I'm shaking in my boots. I mean... You can feel the strength from this man. Wayne, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Wayne. Hey, Grace. Um, I'm retired now, so I get a chance to listen to you more often. And I've been listening all week. And, um, you know, um, I'm a volunteer at the VA, and we talk. And uh, I'll tell you that more than the majority of us are really fed up with Biden. He has no feelings whatsoever uh, for these loss of these three soldiers. And it broke me up this morning when I watched it on TV. And, you know, it seems like money's always the issue, uh, not the lives of these, um, these soldiers. And um, when, you know, as far as I'm concerned, these Democrats that, that are running the show really don't understand. You know, like, Biden's not a veteran, so I don't see where he... He doesn't seem to be emotionally involved with anything. Yeah, and, and Wayne, it's the idea or it's it's the feeling you get, and, and you're, you're dead on about this, that they really don't look at this from... It's hard for them to understand this impact. It's hard for them to understand this loss for these families. And they do think of it as just, you know, okay, well, military folks and it stinks and they'll they'll go on TV and they'll say something and then they'll move on. And it's the same thing with the Afghanistan withdrawal. You know, Biden, think about the way Biden handled that. He gets the dignified transfer. He checks his watch. 
he checks his watch numerous times. Like he's got somewhere better to be. There's some episode of some rerun on of like Hawaii Five-0 he wants to catch. And then he goes over to the families and he talks all about himself and his son. His son, who tragically died of cancer, but did not die in war. But that's how he was making it seem to the families because he wanted to tie himself into this. And the families were horrified by his performance. They were disgusted by it. And now we're finding out he's probably not going to go to the dignified transfer of these three soldiers. He might now because he's getting a lot of pushback beforehand. But I think you're right. And and I talked about this yesterday with Howie about this, how the families must feel right now in this country whose loved ones are in the military, knowing that this guy is in charge and is calling the shots and is so disconnected from what's going on. And so are all of his minions, all of his handlers. And then Corrine Jean-Pierre comes out and says, these people are serving, serving on behalf of the administration. Can I get a fact check on that? Ron, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Ron. Grace, how are you? Good, what's going on? Um, hey, I'm, I'm a finance major, but um, what you're talking about is uh, basically like one of my favorite college courses that I took years ago. It was uh, Philosophy 101, basically like logical argument. And um, what you brought up is, um, is known as like fallacy of false dilemma, false choice, or the this or that fallacy, um, where they only present you with two options, and you know that there's a multiple other options that are to be considered. Um, you can use COVID like that, too. It's like either we lock down the country or everybody's going to die immediately. Those are the only two choices, right? Yeah. So... Um, the one thing that's neat about that is that you learn the rules of the game so you can argue effectively, but also you can use the rules of the game against your opponent. Like you can use, you can defy the fallacies to deceive your uh, opponent in the argument because they know that a majority of the country does, is not college educated. They also know that a lot of people that graduate from college are C&D students, and they're not that smart either. So, You, you know what you just said, though, Ron? You brought up COVID, and I'm really glad you did, because my mind went right to the border. Because that's where I see this fallacy of false choices all the time. And, and you've seen it, especially over the last couple of days, with this, as Ted Cruz describes it, this stinking pile of crap border deal, where the way Corrine Jean-Pierre and other members of this administration and other members of the media and other Democrats like Dan Goldman, the way they're framing this is so dishonest and, and so ridiculous that they're actually saying, well, if you want to secure the border, then you have to want to support billions of dollars in this border deal that no one's been able to see and also a a deal that's going to instead of cutting off the fact that instead of not letting anyone into the country illegally we'll let 5,000 people a day in like you have to get on board with this BS bill so you can say you did something or the way the left wants to frame it is well you just don't care about the border or you, you just don't actually want to fix it. And it's like, no, 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 I can want to fix the border. I can want to secure the border and not want to go along with this latest boondoggle idea of billions of dollars going to the border so that Border Patrol agents have to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for people crossing into this country illegally. I, it's not mutually exclusive. Like, I don't have to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm on board with this. Spend more of my money. 
so that more people can come into the country. Surely, with all the brain power we have in D.C., with all of the elite education that these swamp creatures possess, surely we can come up with something better than that. Maybe Republicans need to start being a little bit pickier. And no, it's not the reason that border bill didn't get through. It's not because of Donald Trump. It's not because Mitch McConnell thinks Donald Trump's not going to go along with it. It's because other Republicans are waking up to this and going, well, I don't know if my constituents want me to compromise on this bill that's not actually going to help at all. And then you have the the rhino Republicans going, well, we're never going to see anything like this ever again. When Donald Trump comes in, he's never going to be able to get a deal like this. Well, Donald Trump was able to secure the border a lot better than Joe Biden without that deal. So maybe he'll be able to do all of it without spending all of our money. Wouldn't that be something? I know it's not one of the two options, but maybe there's a third option. 844-500-4242. And uh, I want to play this cut, Emma, before we go to break, because I've been promising it and I think it's time. Can I get Joy Reid? She was playing a cut of Joe Biden and... One of the most basic rules of broadcasting is always act like the mic is hot. It doesn't mean that sometimes you won't be on a hot mic and you might say something, but you don't want to say anything bad or you don't want to swear because the off chance you get caught on the hot mic, it's going to go out to the masses. She not only swore, but she kind of let the mask drop about how she feels about Joe Biden. Play it for me, Emma. Over the weekend, President Biden said he's ready to take action if Congress is serious about solving the border issue. If that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. And Congress needs to get it done. Starting another war. (laughs) She said Joe Biden starting another bleeping war. That's what she was saying to somebody, some camera person or somebody on the crew there at MSNBC. And you know what? The reason I like this cut is because I'm always wondering about these media people, these talking heads. Like, do they really buy their own BS? Are they high on their own supply? Are they that entrenched in this propaganda that they really believe it now? And what I get from that is no. No, they're not. Joy Reid knows what a moron Joe Biden is. She she doesn't say it to her listeners because she wants to, you know, repeat the company line and she wants to regurgitate propaganda to the masses but she knows when she puts her head on the pillow she knows what a moron joe biden is and how bad this administration is she's just being dishonest to her listeners or her viewers there's not that many of them but still 844-500-4242 we will be right back you're listening to the grace curly show This is The Grace Curley Show. All right, we're going to do the poll question. If you're on the lines, I have no guest plan for the one o'clock because I want to talk to you. So if you're on the lines and we don't get to you, don't worry. We got the full one o'clock. We've got a lot to get to. I also want to get back to this UNRWA stuff because the Wall Street Journal has some stats on that UN organization, that UN agency that's under fire now, and the stats will blow your mind. Even as as 
low as my opinion is of the UN to begin with, they were still pretty astounding. Now, today's poll question is brought to you by Colette Tours and the November 16th listener getaway to Iceland with Caroline Levitt. For more information, go to gracecurleyshow.com and click on the listener getaway banner. Emma Foley's on the board today. Emma, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question is, does a celebrity endorsement help a candidate? Yes, it always helps. It depends on the celebrity. No, it always hurts. Or it makes no difference. It makes no difference. And we're going to talk about this in a little bit because I don't want to talk about it, but everyone's so obsessed with this idea that Taylor Swift might endorse Joe Biden. And I have some stuff to say on that front, but I'm not going to talk about it right now. But I, I will say I don't think it makes a difference. 41% of listeners agree with you. It depends on the celebrities in first with 52%. Really? And no is in third with 6%. Okay. Okay. We'll get back to this in a little bit. Uh, Let's go to quickly here. uh, Brad, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Yeah. Hello, Grace. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, this uh, logician who called. I mean, I'm really suspicious of these guys. I mean, he's talking about something called uh, match pairs or something along that line. And it's, and I took logic too. And this match pair stuff didn't come up until recently. So I'm really suspicious about this being a logical fallacy. I mean, well, um, well, hold on, Brad. Hold on, Brad. Because really, what my what my whole thing is is the arguments that politicians keep making is that we have to go and you could also say the straw man argument comes into play but it's like we have to go along with their bad ideas or else we support insert whatever catastrophe you want and in my mind it's like no no there's there's room for discussion there's room for nuance we'll get back to this when we come back don't go anywhere 